Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photography is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial, go to Squarespace.com slash twip. This Week on Twip is film the new F-word the Partridge Family sues Corbis and getting your learn on in 2011. It's Saturday, January 29th, and this is Twip. Welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo, your weekly source of photographic inspiration. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson, and joining me today on the show are, finally, back on the show, Mr. Joseph Lenashki, and from the East Coast, Mr. Tyler Ginter. Hey, guys. Good morning. Hey, Frederick. Hey, uh, let's let's start with Joseph. Uh, Joseph, you are, <laughs> you're the travel junkie. And that is you, true. And I think you might need an intervention. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you know, that's actually entirely possible. It's probably not a bad idea. We're gonna we're gonna set up some tables in a circle and uh, invite you in and surprise you. And you know, so where where have you been? And or maybe a better question is where have you not been in the uh, last? That year? might actually be easier. <laughs> uh, gosh, since I was last on the show, I, it was actually before. Fotokina, I think, um, when I was out in Germany. So I was in Germany and then in Slovenia for a little while back in, what was that, September, October timeframe. And I've been, you know, on the East Coast and the West, you know, spending a lot of time in California, a lot of time in South Carolina. And I was in, um, in Bangkok for a week, a week and a half, something like that, doing some education, uh, working on an education project. And I've been, I uh, went to Madrid for a day, did a uh, back and forth, just a weekend over to Madrid. It's been, uh, I've been logging some miles, we'll put it that way. Let, let's just say that, um, that I, I made executive platinum on American Airlines last year. So. Wait, what does that mean for us, like, <laughs> for us mortals? What does that mean? You get to, like, fly the plane or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's, what it means is so funny because um, people who follow the blog, you know, me on Twitter know that I bought a MacBook Air towards the end of last year. And my, my impetus behind binding it was when you're flying economy, it's impossible to use your laptop, like a 15-inch laptop, in economy class. You just can't. You push the thing up against your stomach to type. You live in fear of the person in front of you reclining their seat and taking the lid off of your machine. And so I finally bought the 11-inch MacBook Air because I figured I could actually work on an economy class. And it's true. I and mean, the machine is fantastic. Um, on my flight to Madrid, what, 10-hour flight or something, I worked, I typed for like nine hours straight. It's just it's a beautiful thing. But now that I've got the status, I get upgraded to first class all the time. <laughs> That's great. You know, so, you know I got I to gotta give a nod. I'm going to interrupt you for a second, Joseph, because I got an email, a personal email from a listener who complained to me. Like if people like to complain, but he complained to me that we mentioned too much Mac stuff on the show. He's like, he's giving me a message saying, Frederick, could you please for one show not mention anything that has to do with Apple? So I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring up some Apple stuff anyway, just to spite him. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, I mean, to that listener, if you're listening now. Oh, uh, we lost a listener. <laughs> <laughs> it's all okay, a well, good fun. It's you know, we well, yeah, it is good fun, but you know, it's the tools we use. You know, it's I, I talk Canon because I'm a Canon shooter, 
Frederick's a Nikon shooter. He talks Nanon, can't, uh, Nikon. We just happen to use Mac, so you know, yeah. I, I don't. I wouldn't know how to use a Windows machine if you sat it down in front of me. Yeah, this is not the United Nations of photography. So we are, <laughs> we have to we we just talk about the stuff that we know about and like you know, if you, you know. And I think we have people on the show that are well rounded and balanced. So it's not like okay, I'm only going to pick Nikon shooters to be on the show because I like Nikon. I, you know, if you've listened to the show for any period of time, you know that my stance is who cares about what you're shooting with? It's about the photography. It, exactly. The, you know, shut up and shoot. Just stop talking about it. Get out there and start shooting. When somebody's looking at your work hanging on the wall or on Flickr or whatever, unless they're a photographer, they're not going to be like, oh, that looks like a Nikon photograph. You know, exactly. they're, they're looking at the, the, the aesthetics of the image itself. Right. So, Tyler Ginter, you are on the East Coast, probably snowed in. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> it's, it's getting better. What's going on out there? I heard. I, I heard that, like, same, in, as, same as last. Well, not as bad as last year, but it's. It, snow keeps coming, so and then it, <laughs> it keeps coming, and then it uh, it'll snow all night, then melt a little bit, then freeze, and then snow some more, and make like and a little then, layer cake for you. Yeah, and then the plows come along and bury your truck after you <laughs> dig it out and do it again. But it's Jeez. good; it's good stuff. You know, there's <laughs> there's this new invention I want to tell you about. It's called California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, because we have T-shirts on here. I'm just saying, you know, not to brag, but, you know, location, that's, location. That's harsh. That's harsh. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, Frederick, if you don't have any snow, you can't do any snow photography. I'm okay exactly. with that. I can do, I can <laughs> do beach. I'll go do some beach photography. How's that? <laughs> yeah. Broaden your horizons. Exactly. Put some Expand. girls on the beach. How's that? You know, I, I counter your snow with a bikini. <laughs> you can uh, put girls in the snow. Maybe not in bikinis, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're not. it's a family show. We're not going down that road. Um, all right, guys, uh, before we continue, I want to give a quick nod to our one of our sponsors. Um, today, we're sponsored by Squarespace.com. They're the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog, and you can create a website that's uniquely you. You can display your photos from Flickr, a blog you've been thinking about starting. You could you know, create that really quick. It takes like a couple seconds to build a professionally-looking blog. You can integrate Twitter feeds, RSS feeds, design it however you want, and publish it, and then update it from your iPad, your iPhone, wherever you happen to be, moderate comments, all that stuff. It is, um, it is a, what do you call it? A, a, I call it a path of least resistance for, <laughs> for folks that want to get a website up quickly. They want it to look, look bulletproof and professional. Squarespace.com is the way to go. And as living proof of that, Joseph Lenaski, who runs um, a very popular site on Aperture, ApertureExpert.com, is uh, a, an avid Squarespace user. Joseph, with Squarespace, just like in the beginning, not to, not to you know, lead the witness too much, but how, <laughs> how was it? You know, what was your experience setting your site up? Because I know you and I talked initially about different solutions about you know how you you know how to deploy a site, and then you ultimately went with Squarespace. When right. You, when you pulled the trigger on that, what was it like going from here's my idea to now there are visitors hitting my site? You know, it was it was remarkably easy. I had I don't remember what service I was using. I think it was the the blogger. I think Google Blogger or something like that that I was using before. Yep. And when I decided I'd kind of outgrown that, I I checked out a bunch of different solutions, and I actually built. My rebuilt my website probably three different places simultaneously to see which one I liked the best and ended up just going with Squarespace. It was really easy to use, really easy to customize, and I just like the look of it. It's, you know, it's clean, it's beautiful, it's, uh, it does what I want it to do. And their support is, is phenomenal. That's probably one of the biggest things. You know, if I have any questions, 
I email them and I get a response within uh, sometimes within less than an hour. Sometimes I get re- answers in like 15 minutes. It's pretty amazing. Wow. You know, what's, what's interesting is um, one of the things that you were planning on doing initially, you didn't do it when you launched the site, but you're doing it now was you're hosting like paid content and subscriptions and all that stuff on there, which are really advanced features. These are e-commerce sort of I am making money to pay, you know, my bills kind of thing. So the site has to be up. All the exactly. time. So putting those features in there was that was that difficult? Not at all. No. What's really cool? The um, it's funny. Their pricing structure used to be kind of complicated. I think there were five or six or seven or some ridiculous number of different levels, and they've they've brought that down now to three much more simplified tiers. And at the top level tier, you can have. Um, you can have membership forums or membership group where people can sign up for themselves. You don't have to sign them up. So they just go in and say, you know, I want to create a membership, a login name and a password. And that's that whole membership is managed by that. And you can restrict that people can post or not post into your comments or into the forum, whether they have membership or not. Uh, so it keeps the spam down. I have zero spam on the site because the only way to get in there is to create a an account. And um, fortunately, you know, no spammers are taking the time to do that. So it's great. And then e-commerce wise, it's easy. I'm, I'm using eJunkie, and it's really easy to create the buttons, the buy buttons in eJunkie, and just drop the code into Squarespace, and it works. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's really cool. All right. Well, look at that. So what, your your site's at, at apertureexpert.com, right? Apertureexpert.com. That's the one. All right. Well, if you want an example of a next generation site, head over to Joseph's Aperture site and check it out and sign up and look at what he's doing over there. And um, if you'd like a free trial of Squarespace, just head over to squarespace.com forward slash TWIP. You don't need a credit card. You can try it out, build your website. And if you'd like to buy it, you can do so. It's at squarespace.com forward slash TWIP. You can try it out for free. All right, guys, let's uh, jump right into the news. we got some interesting things to talk about today. First up is uh, phase one. So Phase 1 has introduced a new IQ line of digital backs featuring up to, wait for it, 80 megapixels and a touchscreen interface. Uh, Tyler, is this in your wish list on Amazon? Or <laughs> uh, Can I get one for free? Um, <laughs> I, I really, I mean, I don't have any work that's, because I do a lot of document, documentary photojournalism type, photojournalism type work. So, I mean, I'm not trying to blow up pictures and get in there in the pixels for i mean this is this is a camera for advertising and mm-hmm. and when it really comes down to uh punishing those pixels as you usually say so yeah. um you know this is really interesting technology i think cameras have one way to really go the faster um autofocus larger sensors and and bigger megapixels that fit those sensors what i really find interesting is you know they're going to a full touchscreen interface and i think you if cameras don't go, I think what cameras really need to start going, heading towards, we talked about this in the past on the show, but writing the software and stuff that can work around the cameras so you have an operating system and things like that that can actually really, uh, really make these cameras more powerful and write apps and develop things. So, you know, we're going to see a lot of this in the future with, with even cameras like 5D Mark IIs and 5D Mark IIIs. Well, the next version of 5D Mark II coming out, which is rumored to have higher megapixel counts and things like that, but you know, I think they're just pushing what they know best to to push out. I think in the future, what would really benefit consumers, what would really change around photography and, and uh, overall, is is to start writing apps for this stuff. I totally agree. I'm thinking like, you know, I love. I'm I'm the biggest fan in the world of you know higher resolution. It's great. Yeah, I want to zoom in and 
I think we hit a point, though, where it's, for the average photographer, it's just too much. Yeah, I mean, at what, at what point do you need to see the cells that make up the, heart, the hair follicle, you know, <laughs> it's at, and, and retouch those cells, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, what I'm thinking is, what I'd like to see is, um, instead of pushing that piece forward on the megapixel side, whether it's a DSLR or you know, medium format or whatever, just the user interface, you know, on these cameras is still horrible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, and I'm, I, I very rarely use the word horrible, but I'm going to use it today. Horrible. You know, whether it's Nikon, it's Canon, it's so whoever. These interfaces well, we're are... We're so used to our... They're we're designed so used to by like smartphones. Yeah, so, like, well, and that's the future, right? I mean, I'm yeah. I'm sorry, but now I'm used to being able to get to stuff easily. So I need to like two taps. Hey, now I'm in HDR mode. Here's another yep. tap, and now I'm... I'm adjusting my my aperture and I can get a idea. You know, it's it's that level of ease of use that I need. Technology is supposed to make our lives easier, not complicate them. Joseph, what I mean, you're like Canon through and through and you you are very intimate with the UI on that. Are you like what do you think about the interface? Is it time to like redo that whole thing or do you think it's it's okay the way it is? No, without question, it needs to be revamped from the ground up. And adding a touch interface doesn't solve the problem. It's it's a step, right? I mean, of course, we you know you go one step at a time. But the touch interface without a proper UI is useless. It's like the old Windows tablets. It was the same operating system just with touch. It just didn't make sense. You need to have an interface that's designed for it. And we all know the company that does it right. And as we've said on this show before, what we really want is the ability to take our iPhone. Or, and just plug it into the camera, make that the interface to the camera, have the apps and everything else on there. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to happen, but God, it sure would be nice. We're, we're talking about it enough. We want to see it. I know. I know. And, and Tyler, you brought up um, earlier, I saw your note here that, that, you know, we brought up on the show several times. I think it was Ron and, and someone else that why don't we have the iPhone become the UI, you know, through the dock connector, become slap it into a body, you know, have Sony or, you know, uh, one of the one of the. Uh, any camera manufacturer, hardware manu- manufacturer, build a body that just takes a camera. You stick it in there, and boom, you have the, the brains of it right there. How far away are we from that, Tyler, do you think? Is it next year, well, or is it 200 years from now? You know, they had a mock-up prototype of CS. I think I sent you the link, and it actually really excited me because I thought I was real at first, and I figured realized it was a marketing <laughs> hype thing. But, oh, no. I mean, it, I forget what it was called, um, but I think companies are looking at it. Basically, he took an Android. He had an Android phone, and he took the back of it, and he had it mocked up to do all this crazy stuff and run apps and, and, and use the lenses and, and any lens you wanted to put on it and things like that. Um, he had a mocked up prototype. It obviously looked real. It was just a, a marketing hype thing. But I, I think that's a good step in the right direction. I think these private, smaller companies are starting to see the benefits. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's that far off. A couple years, really, once, I mean, you see there's other companies out there that have figured out how to um, with some really incredibly smart engineers, and that's what it takes. But they figured out how to, you know, hack the autofocus and the things on these lenses and, and put them on their own cameras. Red, Red, Red's one of those examples. Their their new cameras are going to be able to put Nikon or uh, Canon lenses on them and still run the autofocus and all the other features. So I think it's just a matter of time before we get some either a, a new company or or a company that already develops camera bodies to say, hey, you know, we can. We can we can sell this stuff, but also a lot of companies make the main profit off their lenses and their and their optics. So I think they're not really losing a lot from their hardware when they can, you know, come up with a, a good operating system. They can and then they can make more money from the apps and things like that. So I 
I don't know. From a business standpoint, it makes sense to me. Now let's let's take it in the, the exact uh, or the the opposite direction of this. So one of the guys that helps with the show notes for this week in photo and helps is helping to organize some workshops that I'm going to talk about a little later. Um, he is going in the exact opposite, much like Chris Marquardt. Um, talked about just going back to film and going back to the basics of photography. Ernest is a—he's one of the the twip. He's on the twip staff, and he is doing a lot of Polaroid stuff. So back, like buying these old Polaroid land cameras off of eBay and just taking a pack of film out and doing a, you know six shots, that kind of thing. Are we seeing a resurgence of that? I mean, we're look—we're talking in this story. We're talking about the the bleeding edge of the future of photography with you know, touchscreen interfaces and all the macros and all this crazy stuff. But is it time for some folks to just like, okay, let me just get back to the DNA level of photography and understand light shutter speed and restrict myself with one sheet of film and force myself to get a good shot on that or suffer the wrath of having wasted a shot. Joseph. Well, I don't think that most people are, are going to go quite that far. It's it's fun, you know, this whole resurgence of, as they call it, lomography, taking cheap plastic cameras that shoot that thing called film and, you know, squeezing off a few shots. I mean, I, you know, I bought I bought one of those plastic cameras and lenses, and it was fun. You know, I, I made a few shots with it. It was a good time. But at the end of the day, you know, I got a job to do. I want to get my images out. And a lot of the draw to that is the the look of the image, right? You've got this Part of it's the romance of the camera and the film. Okay, great. But once you get past the romance, it comes down to the look of the file. You get this really cool kind of sketchy look in. You know, it, you never know how it's going to turn out really until you get it back. Look to it. And what is the most popular type of app, camera app for your iPhone? It's apps that make the pictures look old and funky and faded and grainy and all the old things that we got away from when we went digital. Call it, call it Joseph, Instagram. It's Instagram. Oh, God, I love Instagram. <laughs> such an Instagram fanboy. Don't, don't tap dance around. It's Instagram. We love Instagram. We do. We do. But, you know, but it's not the only app out there that does no, that, right? There's not. so many apps that do it, and the ones that are popular are all doing the same kind of thing. And it's, it, it, But that's the beauty of it, too, is everyone's got a unique way of doing it, and they all look different. Um, but that's what people are really enjoying right now, and it, it's fun, and it just makes photography fun. And let's face it, unless you're making your living at it, the only reason you do photography is because it's fun. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, I, I I, I'm sorry, Taylor. Go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. I was just gonna say I think that's a that's he he nailed it. That's perfect. I mean, you gotta you gotta make time for your hobbies. At least like anything else, going back to the basics, keeping it simple, finding those fundamentals, and just having a good time, and not worrying about the stress of all this additional features stuff like that. But if you have a job, you have to make your photos. You have to make your time. You have to turn the stuff around because that's the expectations of what the society of photographers is today. So we still have to adapt to you know, both fun and business. And I think that's important for photographers. Otherwise you burn yourself out from all the business and, and you, you lose those, those moments you can get from having fun too. So, yeah. So I, I have the answer to this question in my head right now, but is, is digital the, I mean, is it the arbiter of making film the new F word for photographers? I mean, <laughs> it should, I mean, you know, cause like what you just said, Tyler is, you know, it's all about fun. It's all about that image and, with with things like or programs like Instagram and iPhone being able to get that immediate gratification, and of course the other piece of that is sharing it out to your to the world and getting immediate feedback moments after you took the picture. Does that mean film because you cannot have that immediate gratification is the new f word, Tyler? Hmm. <laughs> um. I. I just I think that I mean I don't I haven't shot a lot of film myself so yeah. and I, but it's something I would like to do. I think it's. It's one of those things that 
you know, you should try out and, and, and make the most out of it if you have the time to do it. But what I'm really getting, what I was really getting to is that's, that's part of it. That's half of being a photographer. The other half is actually, if you're trying to make a business out of it, it's, or even with us in the military, I mean, we, we couldn't take film cameras out into combat and expect to have results from it. It's just impossible. Yeah. With hey, expectations it wasn't, it wasn't right impossible. So. I did it. What? It it's was... impossible now. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's, it's impossible now because we have so much, so many expectations to get back right. from our images right. in real time and turn those things around to our commanders and things like that. And the just expectations, the expectations yeah. have changed. Yeah. Back when, cause we, I was in the air force when we transitioned from film to digital and the expectations flipped overnight from, yes, um, absolutely. yeah, you can carry your, your film back and have it processed. And yeah, we could have that stuff to you to the people that need to look at it within a week to uh yeah you need to have it like a couple minutes after it's been shot right so yeah times have changed definitely joseph what do you, what do you think uh, just one bit to add to that you know from the consumer perspective if you are just doing it for fun the one fun thing that's left with with shooting film is the not knowing you know not knowing what you got and you got your 24 or 36 or 12 or whatever pictures that you get on a roll and sending them off to be processed and, uh, you know, a day or a week or whatever it is later, going through the pictures and going, oh, wow, that really turned out or, oh, that didn't. Or, oh, that's fun. Oh, I forgot I took that picture. And, you know, I've got a camera sitting on my desk at home that's got half a roll of 120 through it. And frankly, I don't remember what the heck's on there anymore. Yeah. I probably should shoot the rest of it and get it processed. When I get it back, it'll be fun. It's like, oh, neat. That was cool. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going back to digital. There's no, there's no question that uh, that's, that's where it's at. So it's just yeah. fun. But the film is fun. Yeah, it is. And that's what, you know, I was talking to Chris Marquardt. Uh, I think either he, because we did two interviews recently. He talked to, he interviewed me, then I interviewed him. But in one of those interviews, he was saying that, uh, you know, we were talking about how he's going back to film just as a hobby, you know, because it's more fun, it's unpredictable, you're restricting yourself and all that. But then on top of that, after he shoots it, I'm like, okay, then what? Oh yeah, I scan it in. <laughs> I scan it in through Photoshop and or Lightroom or whatever, and I, I tweak it and then share it out. You know, so ultimately you are doing digital photography. You're just you know at the front end, you're you're analog. So. Yeah, even the film that I'm shooting in in the plastic camera, it's on 120 roll, and it goes the roll goes to Sammy's, and I get a CD back. Yeah, yeah. See, it's all digital. All right, guys, let's move on to the next story. Uh, this one is about an actress who sued Corbis to uh, shut down the online marketing of celebrity images. So Shirley Jones, you guys remember? You guys may be too young to know who Shirley Jones is. Do you remember a show called The Partridge Family? Oh, yeah. All right. Tyler's silent. Tyler has no idea <laughs> uh, who The Partridge Family is. <laughs> I've heard of that show. <laughs> you have not. Don't even <laughs> The Partridge Family. Um, God, what? That was, geez, what was that, 70s or... 50s or something. <laughs> anyway, Back before television was made. Yeah, well, Shirley Jones was a star of that, uh, or one of the stars of that show, and she's suing Corbis for what she feels like was a violation of her publicity rights. Now, uh, Tyler, I know you you've read this story. You want to you want to take us through what the gist of it is? Yeah, it's interesting. I I mean, I'm not uh, big on law when it comes to a lot of this photography stuff. I just I think that. You just like breaking. Um, you like one, breaking the law. You're like a. Hey, I'm gonna ask forgiveness <laughs> rather than permission. Well, kind it's of very photographer. important for us to be. Well, I mean, it's very important for us to be aware of certain things. But this goes beyond. I mean, what you can be prepared for a lot of the times. And I guess when you come to stuff like this, you just have to actually talk to the professionals to know what they're talking, what they're doing. Actually, consult a lawyer yeah. before you you try and get this stuff because it's a very gray area anymore. I mean, uh, one interesting article I sent to you, Frederick, was about. Um, government issued internal notice affirming photographers rights and it talks about uh basically we and then we talked about this in the show before but it talks about how the um we can now 
actually there's a document now that, and we'll put this in the show notes, where uh, you can carry around and if you can film anything on external buildings from the public, and now it's actually um, public made by the government that you can do this. So I think there's a lot of things that are happening that are good for photographers, but when once you get online, I think it, there's a lot of gray area on what you can put up and, and what might, you know, when you're talking about anything that has celebrities and you're, or when you're putting stuff without um, any kind of uh, press releases or actor releases, you can get you can get a lot of trouble later on. So yeah, but you know, just- what? you know, I, I saw that. Thanks for sending it over. And the one the one hole in that is, and we talked about this on the show when we were t- discussing TSA and their sort of infringement on photographers just being able to take pictures of those those scatter scanner machines that are in airports now. Yeah, from inside. And, yeah. yeah, from inside. And the the regulations clearly state, which are printed, that you can take you know you can, photography is permitted in there. But yet a photographer or not a, I don't know if he's a photographer, but just a, a guy with a camera was taking pictures and knew of his rights and had studied before he went in there and was well within his rights to take photos. And got detained and questioned and, you know, accosted all this stuff from the TSA. So my point is, yeah, you could have all kinds. You could go in there with the Constitution and go take pictures of something. But if some security guard comes up to you and says, give me that camera or stop taking photos, you know, he's not going to care about any level of paperwork that you have. So he's not going to, you know, it's not going to help. Is, is my point. You could have all the rights in the world, and if the person on the other side doesn't believe that those rights are real or is, okay, I'm going to have to get authorization before I let you continue, then it's all moot, correct? Joseph, I mean, have you, have you hit any of these walls in your travels around where, you know, people just say, hey, stop taking pictures? No, I really don't. I really haven't. I don't. Uh, I don't tend to push things there. Um, I mean, I, I, in China during the Olympics, I got pushed away from a few things a little bit, but no, no big deal by any stretch. Um, I, you know, it's there are rules that we need to follow, but the the things that are happening in airports and everything it's just people that aren't aren't educated, and that's unfortunate. And, and we, you know, as photographers, sometimes have to educate people. I actually have a, a pick of the week that you know, obviously, we'll get to later is these cards that have some general rules printed on them that you can carry with you as photographers so you know what's within your rights and what isn't. Um, it's, you know, it's getting a little bit out of hand, and, and, and now it's on the, it, the onus is on us as photographers to really understand what we can and can't do and be willing to stand up for our rights. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, <clears throat> I think, uh, I forget who who said it on the show, but it was, uh, it's generally, you know, it comes down to... Um, it might have been Thomas Hawk because Thomas Hawk is a he's a photographer who's very uh, you know I, I would make him the poster child of photographers' rights because he puts himself in the, himself into situations and he doesn't back down and he has a yeah. very has a very popular blog where he talks about what happened and people notice I mean he he can affect change directly from his blog and he's not afraid to stand up to people but you know in the end I think what we talked about briefly in that interview was. You know, it comes down to why are you there? Are you there to prove a point about you, what you can and can't shoot? Or are you trying to get an image? You know, so in reconciling those two and your rights and how much time you have to put up with the BS of these people telling you that you can't do that and missing the shot or, you know, it's 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 a it's a give and take. And yeah, well, we need people like him to go out there and push it exactly. for us because I don't, I don't have time to deal with it. Right. I got a job to do. Mm-hmm. But he's taking it on as his personal crusade and power to him. That's great. I want to see that kind of thing happening. Uh, it's not that I don't want to do it myself. It's, you know, I got a job to do. I got other things to do. But he's yeah, and I, I don't say that. I don't mean to be cavalier about it. Obviously, if I get pushed back on something I'm trying to do that I know is within my rights, I'm going to 
I'm going to stand up for it, but I'm not going to go out of my way to get in trouble. I'm not going to go stick a camera in a TSA guy's face just so that I can make a point that that's actually okay by law. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's, that's, we, I think that if I recall correctly, Derek's story was on the original show when we were talking about the TSA and that, that particular thing. And, um, after that show, I got a, really angry email i get lots of angry emails but i got a really really angry email from a listener who said that we were i think he used the word the words about three times in this four paragraph long email tirade that spineless we had no backbones because we weren't standing up to or we weren't we weren't bringing to light all the injustices that the tsa is doing and we should be you know the poster children you know he was just going on and on we had the social responsibility to tell photographers to go out there and stand up to tsa and derek and i talked about it and we came to the conclusion like no we don't <laughs> we don't have to do that we are not in this this is this is not a show this week in photo is not a show that is supposed to be this um I don't know, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not supposed to be the social change show. This is about photography and about hobbies and taking good pictures and listening to people that are having fun taking photos and talking about new gear and all that. We are not trying to be CNN or Fox News or, you know, one of those shows (laughs) where, you know, they have a responsibility and things that they talk about change the rotation of the earth. You know, we don't we don't have to do that. So I'd like to say to any listeners out there that feel that we should, I mean, to that listener who wrote in that letter to you, if you feel that way, you want to be the one to stand up and make that stand, do it. That's the beauty of technology that we have. Anybody can create a podcast. Anybody can get out there. It's not hard to do at all. And if you want to create a movement and get people behind you, do it. There's yep. nothing stopping you. I agree. Hard drive space is cheap. All right. Let's move on to story number three. We, did we really hit the, the Corbis thing and what this is actually oh, about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. I'm oh, sorry. I digress. Back on track there. <laughs> that was a complete tangent of a tangent. That it was. <laughs> Thank you, Joseph. Uh, yeah, take us through that. Good. Who, me? Yes, you. Oh, it's, I thought it's Tyler's story. Yeah, so basically the whole thing is that the actress has sued Corbis because they used an image of her uh, effectively to market their site, and their site makes money. And that is – based off that description, that's against the rules. You can't use somebody's likeness. You can't use their picture or their name to endorse or sell a product. Um because you know, I, I don't want to take a picture of this actress, for example, and put her next to a, you know, my soft drink that I'm selling, and make it look like she's endorsing that soft drink that that you cannot do. And I guess the way that Corbis sees this is that they sell images of people like her and all kinds of other people and all kinds of other images, and they just pick one of the images out of the library to say this is the kind of thing that you can search for and find. It, it's definitely a gray area because they are using her name to endorse, but. Um, you know, they also are selling those images of her in there, which is within their right to do. So it's a, it's an interesting point, and I think that how this comes out is going to really affect how tabloid magazines, paparazzi, and things can uh, can legally use images of of celebrities and so on. It's uh, it's an interesting case. Yeah, if it if it comes yeah, out any- if, if it comes out on the on the side of the celebrity, is it enforceable? Do you think? I mean, this is this is this this strikes me as one of those laws. I think if 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 there becomes a law around usage of these images there is so much of this going on right now you know how how can you police this how can you enforce something as restrictive and as widespread as this is right now well you're allowed to use an image of anybody as long as it's not taken you know you sneak into their house and take it or whatever i can take a picture of a celebrity on the street and put it in my tabloid because that's editorial and that's within my rights that is you know legal to do i just can't take that same picture and put them next to a can of my soft drink that i'm trying to sell 
Yeah. And this, what they're doing is definitely a gray area. And apparently Corbis has been sued many times before over the same type of thing. Um, some of them have been thrown out of court. Some of them failed on technicalities. But uh, we'll see what happens. Wait a minute, Joseph. <clears throat> take, take me back through that again. So you said I can take a photo of a celebrity on the street and put it in a tabloid that I intend to sell for money. Um, whereby people would be buying that tabloid presumably because they want to see that photo. So in essence, that celebrity is making me money. However, I can't take a photo of a celebrity with, say, you know, uh, this week in photo logo in it and and make it appear like that celebrity is endorsing this week in photo. That would be illegal. Is Correct. that is that the gist? That's right. Interesting. Well, otherwise, magazines wouldn't exist. I mean, editorial use is. That's where the rights uh, – where you don't have to have model releases. You don't have to have the same permissions that you do for any other kind of commercial work. Uh, editorial is a different different ballgame. Otherwise, magazines like that wouldn't exist. I mean most magazines wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anything – any newspaper, any magazine talking about people in the public and what they're doing, it wouldn't – they couldn't exist without model releases. Um, even on, um, on iStock Photos, is quite interesting. They've – I don't know if it's – already launched or it's about to launch but there is a whole new section of their website that is going to be for editorial photography right now yeah. if you upload a photo to to iStock photo and you have a person that you have to model release for them um and i you know i do a lot of travel photography and obviously when you're doing travel photography you can't get model releases from every person that you see on the street it's just, it's it's not possible right yeah. and and those photos cannot be used, it cannot be sold on iStock. But now, with this new editorial section, you no longer will need model releases, but of course the images will only be able to be used for editorial purposes. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting thing that they're doing, and that's just you know, drives the point home. If you don't need model releases, if it's for editorial, that's, that's the way the law is. Wow, that's interesting. And you know, iStock Photo also allows you to upload video, and so that that I wonder if that section will extend to allow. I haven't looked at it yet. If that section will either now or extend to allow you to upload video, like editorial video, and what does mm. that mean? You know, it's very interesting. All right, guys, let's let's now move on to story number three. <laughs> um, this is uh, this is this is really interesting. So this is about Panasonic launching uh, four new Lumix cameras. So. <clears throat> these are we talked about this on the show before a little bit but in terms of in the, the direction that i wanted to take this was 3d and people i think people who listen to the show kind of know where i fall on 3d photography in general and tyler i think you were you were on when we talked a little bit about 3d and just where is it going but joseph i want yeah, to absolutely i want to get your thoughts on just 3d photography or cameras that can shoot 3d or even um, HD, you know these these videography or video cameras that shoot in 3D. Sure, is this is this a trend? And like you as as a guy that's running around doing, you know, travel photography and models and weddings and all this other crazy stuff, is this something that would fit into your world right now, or is this just oh, okay another blip on the radar? Well, it's definitely a trend. And at the end of the day, I'll shoot whatever my client wants me to shoot. Right? If client wants me to shoot video, 3D, HDR, whatever they ask for, I'm going to deliver. Am, am I going to make an effort to go out and specifically shoot 3D because I'm so fascinated and in love with it? No. You know, to me, at least right now, 3D is more gimmick than it is, uh, you know, a necessity to the art. And if I'm going to show a picture, I want the image that I show to be about the image, not about, oh, it was, you know, like, like you were saying before, oh, only photographers go, oh, that was taken with a Canon and a such and such lens. Nobody cares. Yeah. People care about the image. That's, at least that's what they should be caring about. And if you're showing stuff in 3D, the fact that it's 3D becomes what's interesting. Uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll say this myself. 
myself, I love Instagram and I love the effects, but let's be honest, the vast majority of the pictures that you see on there are stupid pictures that have a cool <laughs> effect applied to them, and suddenly you're going, that's really neat. It's like, no, it isn't. It's a picture of your foot. It is not interesting, <laughs> but it became interesting because it's black and white and it's grainy and it's got an edge burn on it. It can be the same thing with 3D. Wow, that's Art. really cool 3D. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's a picture of a bottle of water. It's not interesting. Yeah. And so I, you know, I'm focusing on making interesting images that stand on their own, not on making images that are interesting because they're 3D or have an effect or anything else. Um, you know, for me personally, when I'm using like the the Instagram or anything like that, you know, I'm endeavoring to make a good image that stands on its own and then add the effect to it that makes it even more interesting. But you know, I'm as guilty as the others. I have, I, without question, I have images that are not interesting on their own, but it's fun. Yeah. Um, and that's you know that's how I would see 3D right now. It's fun. It's cool, and it is definitely here to stay, and it's going to get bigger and better. Um, but it's got a long way to go before it becomes mainstream everywhere. All right, Tyler Ginter, uh, you and Alex Lindsay are the two folks on the show that that represent the video kind of class. Um, you uh, are you like we were saying before? Are you is this on your Amazon wish list to add a three D camera to your bag of tricks, or is this a okay? I'm just going to watch see where it goes. Yeah, I think it's one of those skills that are important to keep up with and learn about and know that it exists. And and if you have a job, just like Joseph said, you know you're going to have to need to deliver. So you're not going to, it's not always best to stay in the grade because it's, the thing is, it's, it's, it's going to, it's coming, it's happening. It's, uh, photography is a little bit different than video for video. It's definitely more and more clients are asking for this type of work. Uh, my buddy Tom is thinking about doing IMAX 3d with red cameras and things like that in the future. And I think there's a, there's a time and a place for it on certain, on certain uses. I, I've talked about this on the show before. I, I like 3D if it's used for landscape and used to, to show depth and actually deliver that way. But at the same time, 3D a lot of times uses a gimmick to throw stuff out at your face. So it's kind of finding that balance point. And I, I think every craft has it. There's, every, there's all, all these niches in photography. And it's just another niche. And if you want to dig into that niche and make that your niche, you can, you can make a lot of, not a lot of money, but you can you can make a career off that just like you can off of any other niche that's in photography if you're a subject matter expert in it. But yeah. I think it's just one of those other things to keep an eye out for. It's it's not going away anytime soon. Uh, and it's not because consumers want it. It's because manufacturers are pushing it. And, and I, that, they're I, pushing I, the cameras just like they do with higher megapixel counts and things like that. So expect yeah. to see it more on cameras in the future. Uh, expect to learn a little bit of it and keep your eyes on it. But I, I wouldn't make it the central of your career unless you want to make it a niche. Totally. And, you know, I would just, just to bring it back home for the, the listener, this th- photography is fun, right? And we on the show, we talk about a lot of advanced things and advanced hardware and software and, and techniques and all this stuff. I mean, and things go from, I mean, last year we were talking about video ad nauseum and like all these cool things and all the gear you need to do video with your DSLR and the shallow depth of field and all that wonder. And then before that, it was um, high dynamic range photography and how, you know, you could do all this cool stuff and, and go get photomatics and, you know, do all this stuff. It, I think the important takeaway from all this stuff, whether it's HDR, whether it's doing straight video, whether it's doing this 3D stuff is don't get mired in these different tangents and fads or whatever you want to call them of or evolutions of photography 
understand photography itself first, you know, and, and become a good photography. And I always say composition, lighting, exposure, you know, understand those fundamentals and get good with that stuff and keep this stuff on your periphery. You don't need to get distracted by, oh, okay, I want to be a photographer. So that means I need to learn this 3D stuff or I need to learn how to do HDR or whatever. To be a good photographer. That's what the manu- It's interesting because that's what the manufacturer wants you to believe. So yeah, it does. They want you to believe that totally. you need a 3D camera or you need a HDR camera and all this additional features. In reality, you don't. Yeah. You need to be it's a heresy. It's heresy, but I'm going to say it right here. You don't need all that stuff. You just need no. a decent camera and go get yourself a basic book or download something on photography basics, understanding you know those three things, exposure, lighting, composition. If you're doing models or photographing models, if you're photographing <laughs> photographing models then go get yourself a book on posing and you know the different techniques just understand that basic stuff you know it's there's so much to learn just in that realm rather than layering these making it a layer cake of all this technology on top of it get to the basics and understand that there's so much fun to be had just doing the basic stuff you know so that's i mean i don't know if you guys agree i know joseph you like all the technology and all that but you know. It's all about the technology, baby. <laughs> it's all about the technology. You know, you're not a good photographer unless you have, you know, no, no. Yeah. But serious, I know you. I know you fall in line with that too. That it's, it's. You have to be. You have to know the rules in order to break them, right? Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. All right, guys. This last thing that I wanted to chat about a little bit is, um, uh, just I wanted to get both of your thoughts on 2011 planning wise for photographers we're at the beginning of the year um we're coming to the end of the beginning of the year or to the, the end of the first month of the year the end of the beginning of the year wow that's that's deep um, <laughs> but but just in terms of workshops and education and things that photographers should be keeping their eyes on um in terms of like resources and different things that are out there joseph i know you're here in town right now for photoshop world and you did a talk on photoshop that world. No, i'm sorry mac world same yeah. thing mac world <laughs> you're here <laughs> for it's the same crew that goes with it uh but you're here for mac world right now um yes. and you're doing some talks there so just in general from your perspective over the year what 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 things should stick out as events that photo that photographers should keep their eyes on you know, the thing about learning to be a better photographer is always surrounding yourself with people who are better than you, right? I mean, that goes for anything, whether you're talking about photography or cooking or whatever it is. You got to find people that are better than you to be around to get better at what you're doing. And fortunately, in this day and age, that's really, really easy because you don't actually even have to get on a plane and go somewhere to do it. You can obviously you can do that. You can attend seminars and workshops, uh, but there's a lot of training online. There's a lot of virtual training. There's of course books that you can buy and so on. And at the end of the day, it just comes down to getting the education that you have available to you, that you can afford to do, take advantage of the resources that you have access to. Um, you know, there's there's so many things you can do online for, from free to expensive, uh, workshops you can go to that are free to expensive, and it's just getting the most out of what you have available. You know, never limit yourself because you say, oh, I can't afford to go to XX show this year, I can't afford the airfare, or I don't have time to do that. There's plenty that you can do no matter what your budget, no matter what your time is. Yep. Just never, you, never use an excuse. Just get out there and learn. And if you have – if for some reason you simply cannot do any of that, pick up your camera and get out there and shoot. You're never going to get better sitting behind your desk and not going out and taking pictures. you got to right. get out and shoot, and that's, that's what it comes down to. Just get out and shoot. Put some, shut up and shoot, right? Put some, shut up and shoot. Put some mileage on that camera. Tyler, uh, what do you think? Are, are there any, any tips you want to give photographers at the beginning of the year to, in terms of resources and what they should be putting their, setting their sights on in terms of education? Yeah, there's all kinds of good resources online, just like Joseph said. The thing about it, though, is there's, there's this gray area of um, 
sitting at your house and going out and doing things on your own and not surrounding yourself because I think that was the best point he brought up. There's nothing better than surrounding yourself by the best. And and unfortunately, the best way to surround yourself by the best is to go to some of these these workshops or some of these uh, um, conventions like Photo Plus or even I I do NAB every year and I do NAB not which is the National Association of Broadcasts, a little bit more video, but they bring a lot of photo stuff in there too. But the thing about those conferences is it's not, if you can afford to go to them, it's not just about the education of the, or the training available there or even the gear that's laid out on the table. I spend the majority of my time catching up with friends or meeting new connections. It's incredible what you can do when you spend time with professionals and they get to know you, you get to know them. It's, it's that whole networking working thing, and that's a huge thing if you're trying to make it in this, in this industry. And a lot of times, yes, you can do that online. You can build um, relationships. I mean, most of the people I've been on TWIP with on, on the show I haven't even met yet in real person at, at first. And then eventually you, you end up meeting them. That, and so the thing is, there's great ways with Twitter and with social media and some of these training sites and blogs. I mean, the information is there, readily available at your fingertips every single day if you want to reach out and grab it. But to solidify those relationships and to really get to know the professionals, I, I, you can't beat uh, – going out to some of these workshops and getting to meet and, and just face to face real time with these professionals. I, I totally agree with that. And there's, there's a, there's a couple of other just like just local things that people can do. Um, yeah, I agree. The, on the, on the conference side. Yeah. If you can go to these conferences, it's great. Cause you get to see the new gear. You get to meet people. You can sit in on sessions with people who it's a big geek fest. Yeah. Yeah. You, <laughs> you always get in your hometown. You totally. Have to. Yeah. You can, I mean, you learn all this stuff and you know, it, it's, it's cool and it's exciting and they tend to, for me, they tend to recharge me in terms of photography just by being around all these other photographers and people walk around with their cameras and you know, it just makes you feel like, Oh wow, I am part of this community. This is awesome. But if you can't do that, they're like you guys were saying, you can you can learn a lot online through lynda.com, kelbytraining.com, um, Video to Brain, all these different creative sites. Live. Yeah, Creative awesome. Live with Chase. You know, all these different sites that are out there for you to sit in your – you can sit behind your laptop and learn this stuff and get inspired. And barring that – I said on the show before, I can, um, you know, a lot of times when I have downtime, I will just go over to iStock and just poke around and look at some of the work that photographers are doing in there. And I'm like, wow, that's that's interesting. I want to make a note of that. I want to try something like that, you know, and reverse engineer it, you know, look at a shot and say, OK, I'm going to I'm going to see if I can't do something like that and just learn by trying to recreate what other photographers have done when putting your own spin on it. So, you know, and then the other, the last piece of that is if you can't afford to go far, stay local. There's like on meetup.com and all these meetup.com is awesome. Yeah. These local groups, people hold these meetups. Like a friend of mine is going to a model shoot tomorrow. There's like, I don't know, half a dozen, a dozen photographers show up. Somebody organizes it. Um, there's a model that they hire and they have lighting set up. You bring your camera and you just take turns shooting, you know, and you learn and you interact with the other photographers, ask questions and you leave with hopefully a couple of good shots for your portfolio. And, you know, it's a good way to spend a Sunday afternoon. So, yeah, you, you know, yeah. what's really interesting is we're actually, you know, this whole getting meeting people online and things like that is sparking a whole new revolution. Next next month, we're actually heading out to Montana and it's a whole volunteer basis. It's called collaborativefilm.org. Mm. And it's photographers and, and videographers and filmmakers and some pretty high-named people are coming out there. Vincent Lafrette might come out and do some aerial stuff. Um, the uh, second unit DP of Inception might come out and shoot some some skis. I guess you can ski backwards and things like that. Some incredible people. But <laughs> you know, we've all kind of volunteered to go out there to meet up and be around and surround each other by the best. And it's, I think it's very interesting that 
this might be a new training model in the future. I mean, we're going out, we're working on a professional documentary. We've got funding, we've got sponsorship for it. We have an awesome producer director, um, F9 Photo, who's Carson Garner, my friend, who's, who's putting this all together. So it's a lot of work from his angle and from the people that want to show up with their gear and things like that to help. But it's this collaborative film idea or collaborative photography idea that you can start up in your local community and say, you know, let's volunteer our time to go uh, photograph an artist or, or, you know, a musician or somebody local that you know, and you're all building your portfolio at the same time. Yeah. So you're, you're developing work and you're, you're getting to be in the community, the most important thing, and you're learning from your mistakes, you're learning together. And so a lot of us, it, that's why we have listeners on the show, they come to, to listen to us speak and from our perspectives. And uh, it's, it's this knowledgeable community type of training base, but you have to also do that face to face with your friends and, 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 and meet and greet like that. Yeah, and I would just throw in there a shameless plug. If you are if you're in the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area, we hold a meetup. This week in photo holds a, a meetup every month. Uh, you can come join, and we typically have a speaker there, or we do some uh, m- model photography or other kinds of things. And it's it's generally a really good time. About a hundred plus people show up every single time. We have a good time. We have food there, so definitely come check it out. You can go if you want to find it. Just go to fvj.me forward slash meetup fvj.me forward slash meetup and that'll redirect you to the site where uh where we manage all this stuff all right guys it is time to do this some listener some listener q a so every week our producers scour the twip forums at thisweekinphoto.com forward slash forum to find the best questions for us to answer on the show and I would like to encourage the listeners, the, the folks that are listening to the show, to go in there and post some questions because chances are we will pro- we may get to it over the next couple of weeks. So just you know, go in there, ask those questions. As long as it's photography related, keep it away from religion or politics or anything like that. <laughs> but, what is know, the meaning of life? You know, or anything, <laughs> anything you know, metaphysical. You know, if it's if it has to do with photography, we will try to get to it and answer it on the show. So be creative. Ask us good questions. Question number one, um, I'm going to throw to Tyler. Tyler, you want to take this one? Yeah, listener um, Nick has been asked to photograph a charity lacrosse event and is looking for some advice for doing event photography. So I don't know what his budget is. I don't know if he has any cameras at this point or not. So I'm going to give kind of a medium-range answer to this uh, of gear that I've used in the past and that I would recommend. Um, If you have something like a 7D or even a D300, a mid-range DSLR that has very fast autofocus, a crop sensor. Um, I would I would recommend that way over something like a 5D Mark II with a larger sensor and, and slower autofocus for event photography or for some kind of sports photography. And then renting either the body or the lens. I don't know how often you, for your specific situation, you're shooting these charity lacrosse events. But, I mean, if you if you rent the lens, a lens like a 7200 2.8, it's fast for the... For the body, you're going to get the results you want, um, and you're going to be able to reach out there with that 1.6 crop factor on the sensor. So you have to get a little bit extra reach on your lens and um, and pop and get your shot. And for the majority of what you do, if you're a professional, you're going to carry two camera bodies with a wide wide angle lens on one camera and uh, the zoom on the other one. But I mean, that's probably the best bang for your buck that you can get for uh, for event photography in that medium range without you know getting a 300 2.8 with a 1D Mark IV. So um, I don't know if you guys have any solutions for even cheaper, uh, you know, there's point shoots that can do a pretty good job. But it's really when you want to grab those good autofocus, you're going to need a, a really fast lens to, to, to get them. 
Joseph, I know, I know you totally agree with that from the the stuff that you shoot because you. I remember uh, what was it last year, or the year before you did. You were seals photographer, right? And you did a lot of low light stuff. So that's that was having a fast lens, a long, a fast and long lens were two critical pieces to, to being successful with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but didn't, you know, if, as far as equipment goes, don't forget about the wide. Like Tyler said, most pros are going to carry two bodies with them. Um, this guy, I don't know if he's going to have access to a second body, or if not, you know, he should rent it. Um, but he is shooting a, a charity event, and I, he's been asked to photograph. He says so. I don't know that he's going to make any money off of it. So maybe hard to put money into it um but having that wider lens you know don't forget to capture the whole the whole scene you're if you're shooting something and all you're doing is really crop type photos of the people at it it's very easy to do that get focused on that and then forget to photograph the environment around you and then those people could be at any event you won't know that they're at a charity lacrosse event so don't forget to get those important elements in the shots um some other just advice there People are probably going to be eating and drinking and things like that. It's hard to photograph people when they're eating. It, you invariably end up with a bunch of shots of people with you know food halfway into their mouth, and nobody looks attractive when they're doing that. And people, so, people hate to be photographed when they're eating. Though. That too, yeah. So keep your eye on that. Try not to shoot people while they're eating. Try to get people when they're having a, a nice conversation and people are laughing and things like that. Uh, you know, Don't shoot just solo shots. People aren't going to be interested in pictures of a single person. They're going to be interested in groups of people. So go for the groups of people. And don't go for poses. You know, It's fine to get some poses. I'm sure that they, maybe they want that. Maybe they're going to want particular people posing with their arms around each other but for the most part the pictures that people like to look at are much more candid you see a group of three or four or five people standing around chatting about something and you'll have the you know something to do with lacrosse in the background so you can set the environment so they know where they're at um you know look for shots like that yeah tyler you have anything to piggyback on that yeah it's great points and and don't you know pick out a story if you if every shot stands for itself some shots need to stand for themselves if, if you're going to put them up. But a lot of times you want to put a photo story together and really tell the, the whole story of what's going on. So that's, that's a great point. You know, turn your camera around, show the audience, show, um, show them coming in to the game, warming up, practicing, actually playing the game, then going home and leaving the game and, and celebrating each other or, or you know, at the afterwards. Or, or You just have to tell the full story because otherwise we get in this mindset of just – taking the lacrosse shot of the action shot and then you have a bunch of photos that might might stand for themselves individually but they don't they don't just like you said with a wide angle lens you need that to better portray the story as well so depending on your budget um you know go, go get get what you can don't you know if you need to get that wide angle shot you could pull a point and shoot out if, depending on what professional level you want to get at and then get a better dslr for the close-up shots and kind of work with that perfect all right, guys. Question number two is from Activator. Um, I want to throw this one to Joseph initially and have you comment on it. But Tyler, um, because this is from a retiree from the from the Air Force that's that's transitioning into civilian life, and I know you know someone who's doing that as well. <laughs> I want you to I want you to piggyback on it as well. So, uh, Joseph, you want to take it? Sure thing. So uh, ATC Aviator, I think is the, the name of this user, is recently retired from the U.S. Air Force. He's looking to photography to supplement his income. And he is looking for some advice on what would be a reasonable income to expect from photography. Uh, you know, the, the easy answer here is there is no answer. Um, it's, it's too broad of a thing to really speculate on. You know, I would never say to you, oh, you're going to make you know, X thousand dollars a year. Uh, the first year. It's just impossible to say. It depends on what you're shooting, what your market is, what your capability is, what your willingness is to put in as far as dedication and time and, and investment as well. You know, you might make $200 your first year. You might make $200,000 your first year. It's just, it completely depends on what you're doing. Uh, I think that it's not 
looking for advice on how much money you're going to make is probably the wrong approach to it. Because if you're trying to say, well, can I make enough money to pay my bills and feed my kids? Um, you know, starting off in a brand new career in photography, unless you got a, a chunk of savings to back it up, you probably don't want to jump into it with expectations of making a whole lot of money right away. You know, I, I will say that it takes time to get into it. It takes time to build up that client base. And really what it comes down to is nurturing those clients mastering your craft, being the best at what you're going to do, making sure that your clients are never unhappy, making sure your clients are referring you to other people so you can get more work. Um, but, uh, you know, it it's all comes down to you and what you're willing to put into it. Yeah. Tyler, what are, what are you picking yeah, up on that with? Absolutely. Um, getting into the industry is, it, it takes hard work, it takes passion. I mean, this is something you need to love to do. And you might have to work a few gigs for free. I mean, literally, you might have to go out there and if you don't have a reel, you have to build that reel. You have to build those clients. Those are probably the two most important things or besides your actual photography background and fundamentals and skills is is the reel and your client base and, and how you you know how they can recommend you and who you know. So it takes some time and there's nothing wrong um at first and you have to that that's where it gets complicated and and you knowing how to budget, knowing what to charge certain people for certain jobs. You know, there's a lot of resources online where you can study and research those types of things. But the the, the basis is you might have to work for free and there's nothing wrong with doing that once or twice to build your portfolio or to build your real like I said, we're doing this collaborative film thing next month. A lot of us are coming out on free time. We're not getting paid to do this we're flying out there on our own dime, but we know we're surrounding ourselves with some amazing filmmakers and some amazing photographers to get this opportunity to put something really powerful together. So I think there's, there's always that aspect and that balance of, of, uh, of if you're just getting into this, not rely a hundred percent on the income, but you know, rely on building your, building a real and building your clients up. Yeah. And, and I would just close it off with, you know, you can, you can, things look, you can, go into Microsoft Excel or numbers on the Mac or whatever and model things so that they look really attractive and say, wow, if I just shoot, like, say I'm going to be a wedding photographer, if I, shoot, if I set my price at this and I just shoot two weddings a weekend, I could I can make my salary back, you know, that kind of thing. But things, <laughs> It's not a salary job. It is, <laughs> doesn't work out to be that <laughs> way. You know, <laughs> you need to do your homework on this. And like, yeah, I definitely agree with you guys. Uh, Definitely don't rely or don't jump into this thinking that, okay, the photography is going to be a replacement for my income immediately. You know, it's, uh, well, or, or maybe even not as a short term, you know. And Frederick, you and I both know, I mean, we both serve in the military, and the military really takes care of you on a month to month basis with everything from your housing to your income to, you know, your medical and things like that. So yep. take a, you know, we both commend you, obviously, for your service and everything you've done, but take a hard look at reality when you when you get out and you expect to start doing photography. And I'm sure this isn't your full time job. It sounds like you're looking at this on your as a part time job, but realize that it's it's one of those things is there's not a standard paycheck every month that comes in. I mean you have to work for it. Yep. So you, you uh, you're walking the tightrope without a net after you leave the military. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's good. It's exhilarating. It's, it's more yes. exciting, but it's uh yeah, it's definitely. I'll have more on that in the future. How'd that go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not to scare you, Tyler. <laughs> there is no net. The net's gone. All right. Uh, let's take the last question here, uh, Tyler. I want to I want to kick this one over to you as well. Um, you want to? This is from Glenn. You want to take this one? Yes, he's saying um, he's been taking a lot of pictures of kids and their friends. And his question is, can he post pictures of the kids that he has taken on his website um, and use them in his portfolio and get permission from the parents doing so? I mean, he's shooting kids at the soccer team or the soccer team kids and team photos and things like that. So once again, I'm not 
a lawyer I need actually something I need to do more of and read more about is is the the um a lot of the laws and stuff behind photography but just from what I've read online and and, and seen I mean children are very gray area once again I mean it, the best thing always is to ask if you have the ability to ask there's there's new apps and stuff on your your different uh, smartphone devices that you can do uh model releases and things like that on your own uh and have them sign digitally on the on the device um but in reality the child is in a public location so it, and correct me if i'm wrong but if the child's on the private in a public location you're shooting public photos i don't think you need that permission as long as you're not selling that photo for, yeah for, i i think but, that's no, a, for my my rule of thumb is i i just don't like taking pictures of people's children without yeah. the, without the parents present you know yes regardless let alone and especially if you're isolating them online <laughs> If you're isolating that one kid and you're doing a close-up of them, I mean, that can get ugly. So yeah, I, yeah. If, it's, if it's up their backs and you're, you're shooting the soccer game and you're putting it on your website, that's a little different than you know selling this por- portrait of a kid for profit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's, that is what it comes down to, and this goes back to the same thing with the Corbis uh, discussion earlier. It really comes down to commercial work. If you are profiting from the image, you absolutely, without question, need a model release. They're, the law is very, very clear on that. So if you are putting it on your your personal blog for fun, then fine. But if you are putting it on your professional blog where you are getting clients, you're selling images, you're selling your services, that is commercial use and you do need a model release. And when it comes to kids, you need not just a model release from them. It's Well, it's not from them. It's from their parents, of course. Yeah. Uh, it's not an area that you want to screw around with. Uh, you don't want to get sued by somebody. And on the reader here has posted in their in their question that they have some pictures on their website of a friend's kid whose mom doesn't mind. Well, mom not minding can change her mind. She yes. can change her mind in a really big and expensive way. <laughs> yeah. So great point. Yeah, do not do anything without having permission in writing. Get that model release signed uh, and get those pictures off your website until you do, because you just never know. You never know. People can be very funny that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. Especially so when rules. it comes to their kids, you know, for some reason, people tend to be very protective of their yeah, children. Yeah, I can't imagine I why. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. like the world is dangerous or anything. Yes, but, you know. totally. <laughs> so, yeah, very good advice, Joseph. All right, guys, um, let's uh, move on to the pick of the weeks, the pick of the week. Um, so we're at that time where each guest gives their pick, and this can be software, hardware, gear, workshop, whatever you want to talk about, as long as it's photography-related. Joseph, I'm going to throw it to you first, since you haven't been on in, I don't know, 300 years? So yeah, Pretty much. I, I, I could spend the next two hours with picks. You know, I was stacking them up before, uh, and I just gave up. Uh, I'm going to pick one product uh, that I have started using a lot lately. It's something I really enjoy. It's called the Rogue Flash Bender. It is a reflective surface that you can bend and shape into any form that you like that attaches with a simple little velcro strap to your flash head and it will give you it's basically like a reflector card but you can bend it and twist it and you can funnel it and you can do all kinds of wonderful things with it and the real beauty of it is that it folds up flat it doesn't take up any space at all in your camera bag there's different size flash benders Um, i have a few of them but it's the big one that i always pull out just gives you that nice big soft diffuse light source it's a different type of light than shooting through an umbrella or through a softbox uh, but it is an incredibly useful little tool i absolutely love it and i put it i combine it with my uh, honol photo modifiers the gels and and things like that quite a bit as well and uh, it's just a great combination so that's the first thing that i wanted to hit the second one 
Um, hey, wait, and, who said you could have two picks? Oh, you know, well, okay. <laughs> All right, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> um, picks and, of the week. Tyler, I see I'm reading up to your pick, and I, I don't mean to steal your thunder of the of the blog site, so I won't mention, I'll let you mention the blog site, but there is a product that uh, I've, I've just discovered this morning, seen this morning, Photographer's Rights, printed on a gray card set and it's a a black white and a gray card that you use for you know for doing white balance and and so on out in the field but on the other side of it is printed a photographer rights list so you can read this and know what you are and are not allowed to do now i'm taking a leap of faith here that this is all accurate but it has things on here like what you you know things like the first rule you can make a photograph of anything and anyone on any public property except where a specific law prohibits it and then it gives you some examples uh you know you may shoot on private property if it is open to the public but you are obligated to stop if the owner requests it these are great great rules in here and there's a lot of things in here that uh one of them my favorites is uh no one can enforce you can force you to delete photos you have made. That includes the law enforcement. You cannot be forced to delete a photo. Hmm. So interesting, interesting things in here. And I've heard that from photographers before as well. They will, uh, they will never delete a photo. They will stand their ground, and that is one of those things. Like you can make me stop shooting, but you can't make me delete my picture. Um, so anyway, that's it's a great little resource and. And Tyler can tell you where to get it because that was his pick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sorry. Tyler. Tyler, let's go on to you. What's your pick? Yeah, I saw that earlier. Um, Petapixel. I don't know. It's P-E-T-A-P-I-X-E-L. I've been following this blog for almost a year now. And it, it probably has some of the most interesting photography-related content that I've uh, come across. I have an RSS. I use Google Reader, so I just get lots of like you know gizmodo and and mac rumors and photo rumors and all this different stuff that comes in but usually the best stories come from betapixel is is some really interesting stuff they go anywhere from uh behind the scenes interesting stuff to tutorials to just news that's coming out to gear so definitely check it out uh add it to your rss feed if you have one or if not just go to it on a weekly or uh, bi-weekly basis and see what's new very cool all right that's i think that's petapixel petapixel is it petapixel Petapixel. Petapixel.com? Is, it, is that the yeah. Awesome. Petapixel. Very cool. And that's, right. exa- that's, that's actually where he got the, uh, that, that card, too. They, they have right, card. exactly. And we'll, we'll put those in the show notes as well. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. All right, my, my pick is kind of a negative tip. <laughs> so we talked about this a little bit before. So, A, first thing I want to talk about is just uh, meetup.com. Uh, earlier in the show, we were talking about using them as a resource for just increasing your engagement with your local photography community. So definitely, if you haven't done it already, just go over to Meetup and uh, if you can figure out their new UI, search <laughs> search for photographers because you can you can search in your local area and you can find whatever meetups are going on around you and join them and show up and you know interact with other photographers. So is I, it supposed to be gray like this or is it just not loading the whole? There, you know, Meetup.com. So they they were they were they were great up until about two days ago and we're it's, we're recording <laughs> this uh january 29th and they sprung this insane redesign and i'll even go so far as to call it horrible redesign on all the meetup organizers i have a this week in photo meetup in there and it's just horrible i mean instead of having a great picture that of what my speaker is going to be talking about or my speaker i now have a wonderful google map at the top of my meetup group so, you know what I, i'm looking at some of the different ones though i think you might be able to go in and customize i them tried a unless they yeah, changed the, oh, unless they changed maybe. the code last night you cannot yeah you know? yikes it's uh yeah it's not good so which is why I'm pointing people to fvj.me slash meetup because I, I can control yeah. where that points. 
<laughs> so yeah, I'm exactly. going to point that to wherever the meetup's going to be living if they don't fix this right away. But um, regardless, there's a thriving community on there of people that are running these small meetups, small, medium, and large meetups. Mine, my meetup group is uh, just over 800 people that are members of the group, and 100 plus, maybe 125 show up to each meeting. But all are welcome. You know, your photographer, all skill sets and camera manufacturer brands all that everyone shows up and has a good old time for a couple hours the last monday of every month so i would definitely uh check that out the other thing i want to talk about just briefly and hopefully i won't get in trouble for this but joseph uh you like we were saying before i don't know if we mentioned this but you are here at my house right now recording from another room um and you showed me an ebook that you're working on. Am I allowed to talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. It's not out yet, but uh, but it'll be out very soon. Go Joseph, for it. Joseph is working on a, a insanely cool ebook um, that I, I just like right before the show, he got on his iPad and I was able to sort of flip through it. It's awesome. So Joseph, give, give me the, I know you've, you've been working on us for like two or three months. What, what's the, uh, what's the gist of who it's for and what it's about? So the title of the book is Killer Tips for Getting the Most Out of Your Canon Camera. And this is a book that is written specifically for DSLR users who either have never gotten their camera out of the fully auto mode, uh, you know, maybe just bought the camera and aren't really quite sure what to do with it. It is for beginning photographers using a DSLR who want to get the most out of that camera. And it's uh, I'm really, really pleased with this book. It is very nearly done. It'll be, uh, it should be done this week and should be available for sale probably within the next two weeks here. And it is, uh, it's come together really nicely. It's got the chapters are broken into three sections. You've got getting started, getting better, and then getting great. And obviously the more advanced tips are at the end in there. It covers everything from how to carry and hold your camera, how to stabilize your camera, um, how to get you know, out of the, the P or program modes. Uh, for example, there's a chapter titled P is not for perfect. And um, you know, it tells you how to get out of that mode and what the aperture priority and shutter priority mean and when to use them and where to use them. And it goes through the all the different buttons and dials on the Canon cameras. And I actually had uh, four cameras with me when I wrote this book. I had a Rebel, a 50D, a 5D, and a 1DS. So I had the whole range, the four different ranges of Canon cameras. So this book covers all of them. And, of course, it focuses mostly on the Rebel and 50D range of cameras in there. And uh, it's it's a be- I'm really. It sounds, it sounds like the missing manual. Is this like the missing manual for, for hardware? You know, it may well be. It's a missing manual, hopefully written with, written with a little bit of humor in there. So Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Well, congratulations. I can't wait to get my, my digital hands on it. And this is an e-book, right? So it's yep. like, it won't be, you won't be killing any trees for this guy. No, no trees will die for the making of this book. Um, just uh, you know, f- head on over to photojoseph.com. I'll, I'll announce it there on the blog when, uh, when it's time. But it's literally within a week to two weeks, this thing will be up and selling. All right. Well, congratulations on that, man. I can't wait, to, can't wait to see it. All right, we are at the end of another fantastic twip, guys. Uh, Joseph, where where are you at in the ether? We got a couple places. You got the photojoseph.com for all things photography and apertureexpert.com for all things aperture. And if I can steal just a little bit more airtime here, I want to announce something else, a couple things that have happened on Aperture Expert. Yeah. Um, now, I, I know that uh, most listeners are probably aware that when Apple went to, uh, what was it, 1066 and released the App Store, that the price of Aperture dropped from 199 to just $79. So crazy. you get a whole, it is crazy. That is but insane. That That is a, that is a, I want to, you know, I'm going to say it. I may get in trouble but that is a pimp move right there <laughs> chick dropping it that much i mean looking at adobe which is right down the street from apple they're like you know what we're just gonna drop 79 bucks now what 
I don't even think Photoshop <laughs> Elements costs more than 75 bucks. Yeah, it's like 100 bucks for Elements in, in, in Aperture. I'm sorry. I mean, $79. Yeah. You can afford to have both Lightroom and Aperture. You know, yeah. it, it's, not, it's no longer an either-or proposition. It, Aperture has some crazy bookmaking stuff in there and all kinds of slideshows and all this magic. You, you need to have both of those things on your machine if you're a Mac user. So anyway, go ahead, Joseph. So yeah, thanks. So the um, couple things I'm doing because of that price drop um, – a month or so ago when this happened, I made some teaser announcements on my site that maybe it would be time to drop the price of my eBooks that were priced more in line with a $200 software product. So I'm very happy to say that the price of my eBooks is now dropped to just $9.97 a piece. All of my after eBooks are just under 10 bucks. So from uh, it's a considerable price drop. One of them is half price. One of them is less than half from what it was before. So if uh, you've been thinking about it or you just got into Aperture, suddenly uh, those eBooks are a lot more affordable. And then the other new thing that I'm going to be doing for Aperture users is I'm going to be launching, and this should launch within the next one to two weeks, um, a, a new online training idea where basically what I'm going to do is every other week or so, I'll be hosting a live online training for Aperture. I'll spend about 30 minutes doing training and about 15 minutes doing Q&A. You'll be able to log in live and watch the live uh, webcast, if you will. There'll be a forum where you can chat on the forum, you know, talk to each other, and post questions. I'm going to have somebody monitoring the questions and pulling, to, pulling the best ones together for me. So in my last 15 minutes, I have a few good questions stacked up. And the best thing about that is all of that will be free. You'll be able to log in live nice. and watch it for free. Now, for those I like, wondering, I like how, free. free. You like free. free now, for those wondering my how, budget. The, <laughs> how the heck I'm going to you know, make a living doing this sort of thing, the idea is if you can't be there for free, you'll be able to download the video afterwards for two bucks a pop. That's just $2, cool. and I'm going to try and put these out every other week is the plan. And the, uh, the kind of third thing I'll throw out there about that is that I am not going to be doing this on a regular schedule. It will not be you know, Tuesdays at 6 o'clock. The idea is every week it will be on a different day and a different time, specifically giving people in different time zones with different schedules around the world an opportunity to log into the show live. Cool. Now, just one one quick question on that. How does like how does that work? I mean, do I go? Is it like a WebEx thing, or you know, how am I? How do I log in to see and ask you questions? Right. So it's the technology behind it is pretty much straight up. Um, I'm I don't want to talk about what I'm doing yet, just in case the things I'm setting up don't work exactly as I planned. Sure. So um, I'll I'll keep quiet yet on what the technology is behind it, but it's really pretty straightforward. It's just off the shelf solutions, and uh, yeah, you'll you'll. You know, come in, sign in, log in, and and be a part of it. And that's about Wonderful. it. Awesome! Congratulations, man. Looks like yours. It's going to be a big year for you, man. It is. Twenty eleven is looking to be beautiful. So and, it's, it's and Tyler, be busy. Tyler Ginter, it's going to be a big year for you too. This is a, yeah, this is your, tra- your transitional year, right? Can't wait. Wow, it's awesome. Well, guys, thanks to both of you for coming on. This has been a great show. Um, and if you'd like to keep up with everything in the This Week in Photo universe, you can head over to thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find links to our Facebook fan page, our Twitter page, and oh, so much more. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. <laughs> This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. The show's content contributor is Eric Horton. <laughs>